0: Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast featuring candid interviews with unconventional entrepreneurs who are boldly building a business and life on their own terms. I'm your host, Willow, video producer and storyteller at Be Seen Productions. My mission is to elevate your online presence. All my guests on the show also have a big mission and inspiring story to share. You'll hear messy truths, triumphs, and tribulations from entrepreneurs who have been there and done that and who are unapologetically blazing their own trail. If you're starting out in business, you'll gain practical insights and tips so you know what it takes. And if you've been waiting for a sign to carve your own fucking path, this is it. Okay, let's meet my next guest. Okay, be honest. How many brilliant ideas have you had that never came to life? If you're like me, and most people, ideas are really fun, but it's the making it a reality that is a whole other ball game. My next guest is Sarah Muir. She is the force behind Palm and Pine Sunscreen, which is based here in Portugal. She's also a good friend, and I wanted to have her on and to share her story and also give you the truth and some tips behind bringing a product to life, from ideation to reality. All right, let's meet Sarah. Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path. <laughs> Finally. Sarah Muir. Finally, we have been talking about this for at least a year or two. So Sarah and I met each other where I was living in a small surf town on the coast of Portugal. And it's a place, it's, it's a melting pot of people. I was curious about you because you had a couple of businesses and you're living in this town. You are from Scotland, but you lived in the UK and then you were living in Geneva. As I got to know you, you became one of the most interesting humans (laughs) I've ever met. And we've since developed an amazing friendship. I really wanted to have you on because you've been carving your own fucking path for a really long time as an entrepreneur, but also as someone who's um, lived many different lives in a way. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear your backstory. And I think the journey that you've been on recently with starting your own company, your own brand, which we'll get into, I think is one of, it's a story that most people don't hear. Mm-hmm. People see the success at the end. They see the product, the finished product, the beautiful Instagram. They don't know what really has been happening behind the scenes. It's true. I just look at you as a fearless leader in so many ways, because you've been doing a lot of this on your own and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of I was going to say, well, cojones, I'll say, (laughs) to do what you've done, and I'm going to stop talking and let you talk now. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. Let's dive into your backstory. I always like to start there, and you can choose where you want to start, but I always like to know, what did you think that you were going to be when you grew up, or like what path did you think you were going to take?
1: Oh, this is a broad, um, let me think, well... When I was a kid, um, I actually wanted to be a long distance truck driver (laughs) or an American football player. (laughs) Totally random. Like when I was a kid, but obviously that was like very, very young. Um, I have no idea why, I think I just liked the big American trucks. And um, Mm. I remember seeing American football on TV thinking that it was, I don't know, but anyway, um, like in the kind of um, real, aspirations and I didn't I didn't really know actually mm-hmm. um at school I wasn't academic at all
0: mm, um, that surprises me
1: yeah no I was I was distracted by um all the kind of stuff that distracts a teenage girl especially growing mm-hmm. up in Scotland and yeah and so from the age of four years old I played the piano and mm-hmm. then I later went to learn um, how to put the violin and the viol. So from a young age, I was um, I was kind of destined to go in the music direction of music. Mm-hmm. And so at the age of 16, I actually got into music school in London and cool. I had been practicing classical music for years and studying at school as well. And I got to London um, to a music school down there and I was accepted in for singing music production and because of my classical background, that kind of
0: helped so me. Singing. So singing. Singing. Well, I didn't <laughs> I got not know this, okay. <laughs> Um, wow. And so
1: I got, I got in and because of my classical training, I think that definitely helped. Um, and I remember getting on the train afterwards with my mom and bursting into tears mm-hmm. and her saying, do you know what? If you don't want to go, it's okay. But because it'd been kind of my destiny throughout school, mm-hmm. um, it was a huge kind of shock to myself almost to realize yeah. that. But I just, I didn't see myself living in London. I kind of, at the age of 16, had this kind of foresight um, to anticipate how difficult the life of a musician could potentially be so mm-hmm. with the classic music I could have gone down the um like sessions musician route or I could have been a performer mm-hmm. and it just I don't know it just something happened in that moment where I was like actually this is not for me
0: wow I got the chills when you told that story oh, really yeah <laughs> I did just being young and thinking about the future like that and it's so young to even make these decisions yeah and I think
1: that's that's definitely when people talk about like privilege and what back what kind of background um, uh, elements have contributed to where you are now I would say that was the first time my parents made it okay for me to choose a different path Mm -hmm. and maybe that then enabled me to have the kind of um, I guess, courage in, in some respects, but also the imagination to imagine what an alternative path could be. There was no pressure there. Mm-hmm. And so like I was able to, at the age of 16, begin thinking about, okay, well, what does that look like? Um, period of time where I was figuring things out. And then that's when the hairdressing mm-hmm. came in.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I knew Sarah was a hairdresser, which is so funny when you know someone as this other person or doing something else. So you had a long history doing hair yeah 15 years wow that's insane (laughs) to to me so (laughs) random (laughs) it is but at the same time Were you naturally into doing people's hair no oh
1: not at all but i think i had the creative element Mm -hmm. there my family are quite creative and i just thought why not i'm creative Mm -hmm. you know i at the time i really enjoyed that kind of customer facing aspect and then the rest is history
0: oh my god
1: for me i kind of at that time started to feel like i wanted to travel and i wanted to Mm -hmm. see different places But I kind of figured that with hairdressing, people are always going to need hairdressers and it's really mobile. So I could then go anywhere with it. Mm -hmm. But instinctively, there was always something there that kind of said, this is not the end. This is not your ultimate goal in life, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was never, it was something that served me extremely well. It was really creatively interesting um, and stimulating that sense, but it was never, it was never the end goal. Mm -hmm.
0: So you had a little voice. Yeah. kind of had
1: a, yeah.
0: What did that voice start telling you? that your new direction was? Um,
1: I think at the time, like I've always been passionate about like business. I've always been drawn to kind of dynamics or business people. And Mm -hmm. um, at that time, it wasn't defined as any one thing. I think there was always Mm -hmm. an adventurous spirit inside of me, but there wasn't um, a kind of direction to it at that point. And I remember speaking to people. I had some really interesting clients who were really successful in Mm -hmm. business. And I think they could sense it for me, too, that there was more Mm -hmm. there. So it made some really interesting conversations with my clients. Um, But then I ended up doing ski seasons Mm -hmm. in my early 20s. And fortunately, the person I worked for in Scotland at the time was a friend. So I could go away and do these like adventures in the Mm -hmm. winter and then come back and pick up my job again. So, And then came back and actually went back to school. So, okay. I kind of lived a hedonistic lifestyle for a few years. And then mm-hmm. I was like, did okay. it ever stop? Yeah. And then I was yeah. like, okay, that's when I, yeah, the next chapter started.
0: Okay. So, you went back to school. I know that is too, going back later. I was the oldest one in the classroom. Oh. But at the same time, I was still in my 20s, but uh, you went back to school for business.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: So, what did that look like? And what, what did you think that was going to lead to?
1: well i think it was so i mean obviously the hairdressing gave me the flexibility to travel um through my family i discovered morzine in the french alps so mm-hmm. learned to snowboard work there um did hairdressing for great clients out there um and then it was it was kind of getting to the stage where I'm like what what now i was mm-hmm. partying a lot i was doing everything that you should do in your early 20s in my opinion but mm-hmm. um, it was like getting to stage like okay too much of a good thing mm-hmm. so i came home my parents kindly let me move back in with them. Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm going to university now.
0: Okay. <laughs> so kinda... Did you feel any pressure to go down a certain path or was there, it sounds like there was a lot of freedom and also your parents were very flexible and, mm. and promoting you to decide whatever you wanted to do, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, interestingly, yeah, my background was, um, I came fortunately from a family who just let me figure out my own path which was incredibly mm-hmm. you know an incredible thing to to have my school however was a totally different story and mm-hmm. the town I grew up in there was a lot of very kind of affluent people and mm-hmm. it was like you had to fill in what was called a UCAS form in in, um, in the UK where you you fill in your basically application for different universities and I remember at the time just like being completely disconnected from that just feeling like this is just not for me but mm-hmm. at the school and the place where I grew up and it was like you were only successful if you were going to go to the university and study law or you know become a doctor mm-hmm. or become um work in oil and gas industry which is huge in Aberdeen mm-hmm. the local city and okay. yeah so as my parents didn't put any pressure but there was definitely schooling pressure that Fortunately, I managed to sort of ignore. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Right.
1: And not be pushed down the wrong path by
0: that. Right. And are your parents entrepreneurs? No. No. Okay. Mm-mm. And siblings or anything? No. No. I am. You. Totally <laughs> the black sheep. Anomaly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I know you as this very badass entrepreneur. So sometimes I'm, yeah, I'm always surprised like when there's been no influence in a way. But it sounds like you had a lot of clients too that mm-hmm. you saw modeling this like potential you know lifestyle or something and then okay you go to business school did you ever think you would start your own business was that a goal
1: the time yes actually that's where it kind of started because um yeah the the business school I went to was in Aberdeen Mm -hmm. and um they they had strong connections with the oil and gas industry there Mm -hmm. so um, all of the big companies had um, internship programs that were okay. highly paid, but obviously not of any interest to in me whatsoever. <laughs> um, so when it came to the industrial placement, that we had to do in third year it, I really struggled with knowing like what was I going to do yeah. um, and I um, actually had an opportunity to go to Burton Snowboards in Burlington America Cool. Um. one of my clients knew the creative director there at the time they'd studied at Harvard together wow. and I had this whole thing set up because it wasn't part of the curriculum mm-hmm. from the university they didn't know how to police it they sort of manage okay. it so I ended up at a local publishing company mm-hmm. which at the time I couldn't figure out how does like feeds into the bigger picture. I learned everything about um, print media mm-hmm. and the evolution, the digital transformation from that. And um, so many different, even just kind of um, like skill set, mm-hmm. like learning how to like properly use Excel spreadsheets, for example, to do market share analysis. And now when I look back, I talk to you a lot about joining the dots mm-hmm. at the time, everything seems so fragmented, but from okay. everything I've done in my past, everything has fed into the next thing in some way. You know? mm-hmm. So having already lived overseas, I knew that I didn't want to mm-hmm. be back in the UK and um, Scotland. So during that time, I had got engaged to my long-term boyfriend um, and we decided to move to France together, back to Morzine, mm. where, where I, I had um, spent my early 20s. Okay. Um, and during that time, I went back to hairdressing just to help financially bridge mm-hmm. um, the move. Um, And at the same time, then transition from hairdressing into consultancy and marketing and strategy that I then went on to do.
0: Did it feel like this was your calling when you started learning this stuff?
1: Um, It's funny because like, yes, because it was the client facing part was natural to me from the hairdressing. So the Mm -hmm. consultation part actually came to me really naturally because you, that's one of the key skills of hairdressing right. you have to be good at asking the right questions mm-hmm. and really kind of getting to know and the thing with hairdressing you're creating a product on situ, like live on the person so you mm-hmm. have to be very astute you know understanding yeah. what people need and want so um calling it took me a long time to feel confident and i have to say even now you know i've been doing it for a long time Mm -hmm. but I don't think you ever truly feel confident when it comes to digital marketing for example because the minute Mm -hmm. you do you're falling behind
0: right and so I I felt like
1: the subject matter was really interesting and Mm -hmm. um, I got the opportunity to you know do some really great work but even now I feel like confidence equals complacency a little bit with this (laughs) job. you know right always moving always it's it's so
0: true yeah definitely feel like that with video production too it's always I mean everyone's creating all their content now and marketing themselves. So I think you have to know how to do it all, but also just keep learning all the time. And so then you're consulting, you're building confidence. Are you ever thinking, okay, maybe I should, you know, start my own thing, a business business, or work for someone else?
1: Um, in the period of consultation work that I did after doing my, uh, my period in Nice, I then started to feel like I would gain more from working in a team. Mm-hmm. And um, it was at that time I got the opportunity to go work in Geneva. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was brought in as an SEO digital marketing person. But then, unbeknownst to me, I'd actually been then shifted into an IT project management role. Mm. So, English speaking generally in Geneva, Mm -hmm. but actually turned out mostly French speaking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We spoke some French, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, right? So, it was a real baptism by fire. It was my first corporate environment. Geneva is a tough working Mm. environment, you know?
0: Yeah, so first corporate coming from hairdressing and did people know that about you?
1: Yeah and actually that's why I was mm-hmm. employed. Oh okay. Which is what was interesting to me. Um, when I interviewed I kind of almost felt obliged to sort of not oblige but like I needed to almost like apologize for my mm-hmm. seemingly scattered past or right. um, career path but actually they said to me in the interview and this is kind of what made me think it was the right decision at the time mm-hmm. actually that's what we find interesting about you because you, mm-hmm. know, you can bring in a different perspective mm-hmm. so I came in in a junior role within a year I'd been promoted and given a, a salary increase to mm-hmm. reflect the, you know yeah. the work I was doing, I guess that
0: is so interesting and mm-hmm. I think people listening and again our culture western culture it's all about where did you go to school what are the accolades that you have mm-hmm. after your name it's like it really is this prescribed path I call it and I and the fact that they wanted you because of your difference Mm. that speaks to them I think as well and also for for other people that are thinking of completely changing and shifting directions it's like don't disregard that yeah I think there's
1: two things that it's really important to disregard your age Mm-hmm. And and the conventional path. Yep. So my friend John Weaver has recently written a book, um, Kickstarted, mm-hmm. book, um, the anti-blueprint project. And I have to say it was like it was so cathartic to read it. It was almost like I don't know, in part some kind of validation that the anti-blueprint mm-hmm. is is actually, you know. It's, it's
0: it's the blueprint it's okay it's yeah. blueprint
1: exactly because yeah um as much as each moment in time might not make sense mm-hmm. when you look back and you know steve jobs talks about joining the dots it's everything right. makes sense to so just follow what feels right in the time yes and remove the age factor because <clears> one of the biggest challenges i've had to overcome is am i too old to do this mm-hmm. am i too old to go to university and then especially for women it's like yeah. we hit 30 and it's like we need to have a dream career we need to be married we need to have, potentially have children and
0: yeah all of uh, that the path yeah that all per- of that
1: comes into it so just forget your age and be where mm-hmm. you are now
0: so it's never too late
1: never too late never too because late it's
0: thank god nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: nonsense but i have to remind myself
0: a lot actually yeah. because i mean we've both we haven't followed the traditional path necessarily mm-hmm. and i think it's it's hard to sometimes navigate that without thinking about those Other voices and where are they from? I mean, unspoken, I guess, but it's it's there, it's present. And so you're in Geneva, you're living this big girl job, doing this big girl job. And did you ever, in that moment, or did you have moments of like, this is surreal, almost?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, it was my first time on like a proper salary, and the Swiss salaries are generous to say the least. I got Mm -hmm. myself a ridiculous car. You know, I just yeah. like I act, you know. You gotta yeah. play
0: the part. Yeah. Play, the,
1: play the part. And it mm-hmm. was um, I really, really loved it. It was a mm-hmm. great experience. Um, it was really stressful. Okay. Because, you know, I went into it um like on a kind of personal fast track. Mm-hmm. I was there and I wanted to progress quickly and interest in was um around people who are the same age as me or are younger mm-hmm. and their approach and attitude to work was completely different to mine because they had mm. already been doing it for a while. They'd been mm-hmm. reached a point where they were comfortable in their position. They were yep. senior project managers, engagement managers, client mm-hmm. managers. But for me, I was kind of like, right, let's go. I haven't got that time to sit back and
0: mm-hmm. enjoy
1: the kind of luxury of time. So I think I was, um, yeah, I was pretty driven. Um, and I got the option to work with incredible clients, you know, like Luxury watch companies and whatnot, but yeah, the whole thing was surreal. (laughs) and I knew it was. I kind of always knew it was just a period of time.
0: Oh, okay. Mm. So you still had that voice, like, nope, this isn't it, or this is going to end.
1: Yeah, I guess at some point. Okay. Yes. So. And and
0: it's interesting too what you said about this luxury of time, because you were always working for yourself as a hairdresser. You Mm. find your clients, you know. I'm assuming right yeah. so that also is a different mindset completely and then in this role you have the job you don't need to go out there and hustle mm-hmm. anymore but did that ambition and that drive did it get stronger mm. in that environment because you could see like your potential
1: yeah I think so and I think I definitely I think I think you've the hustle's there you've either got mm-hmm. it or you do done and that right it's not right or wrong either way but I think You know even in the job i could see opportunities but because Mm -hmm. i was like i was a project manager and i did some seo and sem consultancy as well um i had had one client and for example i could see so much opportunity but because that Mm -hmm. was beyond my role i wasn't allowed to actually sit down and nurture the client in the way that i knew i could and i knew i could get this extra business from them and Mm -hmm. we could become like a key partner for them but because of the hierarchy of the company I wasn't allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. I had to just sit in my role and it's the first time I'd ever experienced that and I think that right. talks to the, speaks to the fact that there was obviously just something in there.
0: Yeah, you know. You you had to be the I can't
1: just show up to work. I show up to work and I've got to
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a leader. I mean that's the thing is it, it that was always in you. That was that was my question I yeah, think, yeah. because it's it is a different personality type altogether, I think. And then you're just like navigating, okay, where, where are you going to fit in? And then you end up leaving that job. You you moved to Portugal, you're living in a small town in the coast. And we met there. And during that time, during when when I met you, you had had a couple of different businesses going on Mm -hmm. like e-commerce, right. And a couple of different things. Um, So tell us about that. And then what, what happened next? What was this uh, big idea that came about
1: it was kind of a the reason I ended up in Portugal I'll keep I'll keep it short because it was a it was a a fast and furious moment in time that kind of led me to what I thought was going to be the dream position Mm, um I was brought in as like head of digital marketing for a new agency um in my opinion we had um I I wanted to move to a city so Lisbon and Barcelona were kind of on the Mm -hmm. cards and a friend from Geneva said I think I've got an incredible opportunity for you So i flew from geneva on the tuesday by the end of the week i'd resigned from my geneva position and i i was set to move over to lisbon Mm -hmm. um so i did that job for a few months and it was actually for two guys who were um they had a number of projects and so they wanted to create an agency around their projects Mm -hmm. um and it kind of led me to believe like i'm i'm here building someone else's dream this is like a long story short but like i'm here building someone else's dream and i it doesn't i'm kind of done with that but it Mm -hmm. was like the most money i'd ever made in the most Mm -hmm. stunning city in the world in my opinion um and so it was a big decision to leave it but in short our visions weren't aligning Mm -hmm. and i just kind of had this burning feeling like you're not supposed to build someone else's dreams Mm -hmm. and so that's how we ended up in i okay
0: and i'm seeing a theme now of you being faced with decisions And taking the choice of big like money you I'm going back way back to yeah. like this oil you know oil and gas which was in your your town mm-hmm. and not choosing that because that could have been a route to earn money yeah. and then you have these other experiences so what was your driving force like moving you forward building your own dream
1: yeah, possibly. Or I think, yeah, I think not being capped by anything,
0: mm-hmm. not
1: being capped by a salary, not being capped by corporate structure, not being capped by.
0: Mm-hmm. I think,
1: like, because if I think about what I'm doing now, Palm and Pine skincare, what I think one of the things I love about it, and amongst the highs and the lows, is the creative freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably, if I think about it. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a lone wolf sometimes. I do like to get mm-hmm. of do things <laughs> by myself, and I'm right. And so I think it. it matches lifestyle versus creative freedom and mm-hmm. kind of having the last say on it, I guess. You know? Okay.
0: And tell us about the Polymphine skincare, that moment in the kitchen. <laughs> As you said, I, I always love the moments.
1: I didn't answer <laughs> your question before. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so after Lisbon, I went to Aracera, worked mm-hmm. on a couple of projects, e-commerce projects, blah, 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 and so I was kind of looking for that looking for that thing, looking for my thing. But in the meantime, kind of spending some time getting my choice back because i had been very stressed out before and I'd kind of lost, you know, the Mm non-working aspects of life. Right. So here I am in this beautiful town, this beautiful country, just trying to refocus. Um, I'm from Scotland and I have, you know, (laughs) I live in Portugal now. I don't tan and so I use a lot of sunscreen. Meanwhile, my husband, I came from a very like natural organic family. Mm -hmm. And my husband discovered how um nasty some of the ingredients are in sunscreen so he starts basically long story short cooking up sunscreen in Mm -hmm. in the kitchen using zinc oxide beeswax etc he gets really excited about it he's testing it on me on the beach and then he decides he's just going to start selling it so of course the business mind in me is Mm -hmm. thinking we absolutely can't do that because Mm -hmm. you know alarm bells are going off but then I started benchmarking it, and I started looking at well, what do I use, what am I missing, what can't I find, and there was a glaring opportunity.
0: Hmm. I love that glaring opportunity. A
1: glaring opportunity. Yeah.
0: And he was going to sell it what to his buddies? Yeah. You know. know,
1: Ross, where are you <laughs> 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 What
0: was your plan, Palmer's
1: Ross? markets, I guess. Okay. You know, I, I don't know. Like. Okay. He was, yeah. He. I think he, it was. You know, his idea, and he he could see that there was something that mm-hmm. you know was missing as well okay um and then moving to beside the ocean we became hypersensitive to um plastic pollution mm-hmm. um just once you're right there beside the ocean and you start to realize what the issues with it right. and um, so we started to kind of pull the pieces
0: together and, mm-hmm. yeah this is going to be I mean, difficult to sum up obviously in a short time but you saw an opportunity and then your business mind kicked in yeah right and you just ran with it so because so many people have a lot of ideas I mean guilty and then like but rarely people put it into action Mm. what were some of the first steps so let's say someone is in their idea phase Mm. they have this amazing idea then what looking back now you can
1: yeah I'm see. actually I really one of my regrets is not documenting it more but like mm-hmm. in this moment when I think about it it was firstly finding out is there like is there an actual need for it mm-hmm. does the need right. kind of extend beyond me um looking at what currently exists and then we think about like a lot of the time people don't start with things because they think about risk and they think about mm-hmm. it, it's going to take a lot of money it's going to take but you can manage these risks by doing your research. So Mm -hmm. do your research, understand how much it's going to cost to get started, Mm -hmm. and if you can quantify that risk in terms of, you know, would losing that be catastrophic to your life, or Mm -hmm. is it possible to um, easily raise that kind of money that we, I mean, I'm talking about from a financial standpoint, but before we get to that, it's just understanding is there actually am i actually solving a problem this product is there a problem there and oftentimes the best businesses come from solving a personal problem Mm -hmm. it usually starts with that what am i missing what's not working for me in the world Mm -hmm. um and yeah there are hundreds thousands of skincare and sunscreen brands but I was listening to a book recently and he said, all of the wheels have been invented. Mm -hmm. We can no longer reinvent the wheel. So we just need to take what's there and iterate on it and Mm -hmm. answer some of these pain points. And really that's, you know, start with, do do people need this? Like, does this problem actually exist? And then start to quantify the risk factor. Mm -hmm.
0: And did you think about when, as you're doing this research, were you envisioning this line were you thinking okay we're gonna i'm gonna take this all the way through
1: no Mm. no because there's kind of like go no go points at so many points within the project Mm -hmm. so it's like okay like what exists out there currently let's let's start buying some of those products and start testing Mm -hmm. does the problem still exist and it just at each point and it's like you just don't know like you can business plan you can I mean still we launched in June you know Mm -hmm. but I don't know how to answer that yeah
0: yeah well the other question was was there a moment where you said to yourself or out loud I'm going all in I am a hundred percent in and nothing is going to stop me
1: when we launched the crowd funder okay I guess because that's when I became accountable
0: Mm mm-hmm Right.
1: That's when I became accountable because but before that it was kind of a research project.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: was a research and planning project with no okay. not too much money invested, no people expecting anything from me. But then the minute we decided to crowdfund and then mm-hmm. launch that. That's
0: yeah, that's when it got real. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's when, got when really it got real. real. And yeah. and again, having been there, you know, this along this journey with you, it I was always Impressed with how you did bring people into your process, and it wasn't yet. You can maybe a lone wolf, but you started to really ask questions and and get other people involved in it. And the crowdfunding was clearly a, a decision to go that route, involve other people, and and then move forward. You know, and asking for this sum of money. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get the money, did you have a plan B?
1: Um. Uh, yes. It, for me mm-hmm. then it's like it's an indication that it's, it's a no-go mm-hmm. because for me when people talk about well how how do I know if people are going to want this product mm-hmm. or are going to buy into this business idea crowdfunding for me is the number one way to do that because you're asking people right. to do the hardest thing to get people to do which is to take out the credit card put money where their mouth is mm-hmm. make the purchase and it's what makes it unique as well is you're asking people to make a purchase on a product that doesn't even exist yet mm-hmm. so if you can convert people at that moment in the business then you're on something. Right. And during the whole process, you've got people commenting on your, Indi- on your Indiegogo Kickstarter, your campaign page, commenting, emailing you, asking questions. Um, and it then starts to either confirm your idea or challenge your idea. And mm-hmm. prior to producing the product, you still have time to iterate. So mm-hmm. it's actually one of the most powerful market research exercises as well. Right. Because during that time, you're also building a database of people. And then i was able to circulate circulate, circulate? Mm -hmm. and then i was able to go back into that and ask people their opinions and really Mm -hmm. involve people as you said in the kind of product development process and the marketing pro i mean Mm -hmm. it just became a really valuable tool right to prove the concept
0: and then your digital marketing a product that doesn't exist which i found so interesting a lot of people do this with courses. I don't build the course until it's, it's people have paid for it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that would freak me out. <laughs> but you did the exact same thing mm-hmm. with with your product. So it, give listeners like a little, just a taste of, okay, you manufactured it in this country and like where everything is created. So you're based in Portugal, but everything else is being sourced from all over the place mm-hmm. and some of the kind of roadblocks you came up against. This may take a while. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I'm just like, how do I do this? In the okay, so we launched the crowdfunder in October 2019, and we had a manufacturer set up. Everything was in place, um, so we had a month of crowdfunding, and then we were supposed to launch. And this was this was with contingency timing any for any kind mm-hmm. of issues that came about in the March. And right before we were about to launch, I met someone who is a professional formulator. She. Casually said, Can I check the ingredients? Do you want to just have a look? She checked the ingredients and she said, This is not good. There's not enough preservation. There's quality issues, basically. So, fortunately, no contract had been signed. So, we managed mm-hmm. to navigate the situation. Um, but this added a year of delay to the project. So, and I'll never forget. Um, the day it happened and I our our mutual friend Dan um, Mm -hmm. saw me I was white as a ghost in our co-work space and um, he just turned to turned to me and said you've got this and Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that moment because (laughs) (laughs) I was like at that moment I didn't think I did I was like, how am I going to deal with this I had over 300 orders it was just me all of a sudden my world fell apart Mm -hmm. so I just had to yeah just refocus calmly and at that time I brought in a technical advisor to Mm -hmm. help me avoid that problem again because you can do your due diligence and people talk about strategy and planning and everything but there's always going to be like hurdles that you Mm -hmm. you can't anticipate and you know you just have to pivot as they say Um, right
0: (laughs) I hate that word I know it's like a lot of people hate that word it was a
1: hardcore pivot Um, yeah
0: and you get this news it's not only you that's like having to deal with that it's 300 people potentially yeah. that have invested and it's and so I mean what is that feeling like when you have all of these people depending
1: I actually feel <laughs>
0: nauseous when like, it was hard you know yeah. it was like
1: I just wanted to run and hide but then I had mm-hmm. to then be rational so mm-hmm. I thought to myself well you know every purchase was you know we were so grateful for every purchase fortunately we're not a big ticket purchase mm-hmm. so I right. quantified the kind of um the level of disappointment that might be experienced by people in terms of the monetary value that they've invested mm-hmm. so relatively speaking relative and i gen, i'm generalizing here it was it was a lower investment than some of the other kind mm-hmm. of tech um, right crowdfunded products for example so that was step one thinking about that and then step two i just had to go into full communication mode. So basically mm-hmm. lean into the problem communicate the problem be honest with the problem and then all of a sudden there was a pandemic
0: and mm-hmm. I have to
1: say that, as much as it was a horrific situation mm-hmm. for the world, um, what happened was, it, people were obviously then focused on that.
0: Mm-hmm. So it
1: gave me the opportunity, I guess, to just get mm-hmm. to work on finding finding a solution whilst the world, you know, got to right. work on finding a solution and navigating a pandemic. So. Right um the kind of timeline was within that time so mm-hmm. and during that time I found within 5 weeks I'd found a new manufacturer um and we got to work on formulating mm-hmm. the two products that we have today
0: okay and hiring you started hiring people to help you but you are you've been the visionary throughout the entire thing for the the entire brand How was that experience, bringing people in and sharing your vision and having them execute it?
1: Yeah, that's that's, because the thing is, when you become a founder, you are a product developer. You have to be an accountant, a lawyer, Mm -hmm. a people manager, and it's going to expose your strengths and your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, the minute I brought, you know, not the minute, but working with people often for me presents the biggest challenges. Mm-hmm. So my partner, Ross, is still um, active in the business and uh, he's an extremely talented people manager. So what's happening is as time goes on, I'm finding he kind of comes in with mm-hmm. that skill. But there was one person with me from the start, Lois Farrow, and mm-hmm. she is the, the, the woman behind the trees and the logo. She mm-hmm. um, she's an, a friend, an, an acquaintance and she was an acquaintance from Morzine. I knew her from the Alpine, the, the French town I used to live in. And I knew she was an illustrator. So I looked at her work and thought, mm-hmm. "This is kind of like the the route I want to go down." It's mm-hmm. so the palm and pine, basically palm tree lifestyle. It's your surfing, your sunshine, your mm-hmm. beaches, and then the pine tree is the snowboarding and skiing in the mountain life. So bringing a kind of evergreen aspect to the brand. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she she's been with me from the start. So she has just she's navigated, co-navigated the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows of of working with the startup Mm -hmm. patiently, diligently, even through like having her first child, for example. So that is an entirely different example because she, you know, she's just been incredible. My right-hand woman, in fact. Mm -hmm. Um, But then along the way, I've brought in different contractors, worked with different people. And overall, because Palm Pines built on a contract model in terms of it's very automated it's you mm-hmm. know um it's been mostly okay it's been mm-hmm. mostly okay but they're having challenges <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes they're
1: definitely having challenges yeah
0: and launching something I've never experienced before and watching your launch I was just very impressed again of all of the steps and how did you know how to do that or was that just um, learning but in the process? I
1: think like working back from the moment Mm -hmm. working back from the moment and what it looks like. So one of the key like it's it's widely um cited in the marketing and founder world. You know you you need to build your community before you before you launch. Mm -hmm. So as you've seen with our Instagram we invested heavily in uh, and Lois designed the the grid for us over the past like two years I think it was Mm -hmm. so we built a following of like a few thousand and then um, I focused on building an email database. And um so it was just to basically have people to talk to, people to launch to, mm-hmm. which obviously the crowdfunding right. helped with because mm-hmm. we almost had that as like launch one. Mm-hmm. So we already had this kind of audience of people. And then after that, it was just all about creating content that would interest people, creating a unique feel, consumable content through the videos that Fasco mm-hmm. made for us, um, our video partner. And yeah, just creating that kind of moment of build up and I think it came quite instinctively because um, yeah I was in the process you know Mm -hmm. so
0: yes and you you have an incredible ability to look into the future I think and really see the big picture and then be there and do all the details and
1: that's the most exhausting part
0: yeah is the details along yeah it's like
1: it's the it's having to take the bird's eye it's Mm -hmm. like for me I kind of use the analogy of like a drone like you're constantly like zooming out to get the big picture Mm -hmm. and then in the same respect I'm dealing with like writing Instagram captions and whatnot and we're bootstrapped so people would probably hear that and think, "Well, get someone to do it Mm -hmm. but I've got to constantly prioritize yeah you know what what do I need the most Mm -hmm. right now and if I can do things I'm still doing it at the Mm -hmm. moment because it's more financially efficient for us and it means we don't need to take external investment right now
0: right and you have had your hand in everything and i think that's the the unique situation too to have a creative eye and also the very like the process the structure and the business planning i find that that's like a very unique combination to be good at both
1: (laughs) Well, I'm doing both. Superwoman. Hey, woman. Good. It's like to <laughs> No, you are
0: definitely. And so you launched this summer, and it was was it a year after the fact that you thought you would launch, or was it even later?
1: Later, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Later in the end.
0: Would you? I mean, this may be a hard question. Knowing what you know now and going through what you went to no. through. No. You wouldn't. <laughs> would you have gotten out of bed that morning <laughs> to start?
1: Um the sadist in me i'm not sure if i can use that word so stop of course again um that's a really good question i would do things differently Mm -hmm. hindsight is a wonderful thing isn't it yeah hindsight is a wonderful thing because you're just trying to make the best decision you think you can in that moment and it's only hindsight that will um yeah gift you with that clarity afterwards but would i do Yeah. yeah for sure i mean i'm yeah for sure.
0: So I, I always say to people, or here as well, that starting a business is the biggest personal growth experience. What has been your experience with that? Like 100%, things that you.
1: Hundred percent.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It's the most humbling, isolating experience I've ever had in my life. Actually, because when you're, mm-hmm. I mean, the growth to just learn how to navigate. um, Rejection in terms yeah. of like you know perhaps not getting the response you want from people, and um, learning how to navigate um, situations like the the manufacturing problem mm-hmm. we had. That all takes like characteristics that it, it takes for you to dig so deep into mm-hmm. yourself. But every time you come through something like that, it then resets your the relative, relatively what is stressful in
0: life. Mm-hmm. Relatively,
1: what is worth? I mean, so now. Yeah. There's a lot that doesn't stress me out because I've experienced stress <laughs> than I can never imagine. So in terms of personal growth, it's like it's transformative. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what would you, let's say someone's sitting here and they have this, again, they have an idea, somewhat similar, a physical product. Mm-hmm. They want to crowdfund and they're, you know, bootstrapped in that way. Could, what would be some things you would say to focus on first or even even a mindset shift or some mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know if there's anything you could, throw out there
1: yeah I mean 100% I think before you because I always say and everyone says the idea is the easy part and it, yeah. it really really is and the idea is the sexy part it's it's really self-gratifying mm-hmm. to think that you could have the next big idea or you could have you know you could create something of your own mm-hmm. but that is all in your head the reality is not sexy and I was speaking to someone recently Uh, Laura, the general manager uh, for Umi um, Hard Kombucha. Mm -hmm. um, And she's another um, female who has taken something from idea to to Mm -hmm. reality. And I said this to her, I said, you know, it's just not sexy. The reality of it isn't sexy. And there's spreadsheets, there's analysis, there's there's all of these kind of bits that people don't see behind Mm -hmm. the glossy Instagram and the products that you hold in your hand. And so number one, the mindset is, Mindset is so so important because mm-hmm. you are going to sit with this thing every day, every night. And it sounds really negative and it sounds really scaremongery, but it is so true. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to be with this thing all the time. So, you really need to like care about what you're doing and you need to be ready for the highs and the lows. Yeah, because it's
0: yes. Yeah. And when you're depending on so many other people again, you know, manufacturing in this other country, and, and it's like you're all the pieces have to come together. Yeah. That is I could see that that's incredibly stressful because it's so many things are out of your control. Yeah. Right. And what kind of what kind of things really helped ground you through this time? Because I mean, this is a three year process, Mm -hmm. if not longer. Yeah, actually. So what have been what has been helpful for you to kind of in those moments of chaos, stress, yoga? (laughs) yeah yoga
1: my husband because we are yin and yang in terms of personality Mm -hmm. types and he just has a way of um grounding me Mm -hmm. and um stopping me working 24 7 yeah um and then doing yoga twice a week um trying to find some kind of morning routine Mm -hmm. these kind of things um walking the dog like just just Mm -hmm. moments that bring you back into the now definitely that's Okay. That's from a personal, standpoint. Mm -hmm.
0: You're an avid reader. You're always reading something. And is there any books that stand out for you or, you know, that you can like pass, pass on right now? Anyone that like top of mind that have helped you?
1: Oh yeah. I've got my Bibles for sure. So um, it was funny in like when I was working in Geneva, I had that kind of feeling like I I needed to do my own thing. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was the fire was kind of burning then. Um, And it was at that time I discovered Tim Ferriss before Mm -hmm. our work week. And he's taught me everything about um, calculating like your target monthly income, talking about Mm -hmm. how, you know, we strive to work hard. But what are we working for? And when you actually define what it is in your life that you want, actually the amount of money you need to execute that. Generally, we don't want helicopters and boats and fancy Mm -hmm. houses. We actually want quite attainable. We have quite attainable goals. So he taught me all about that and which kind of got me into having a structured mindset when I thought about working independently again mm-hmm. um a book called free range humans by Marianne Cantwell and that was an, that was good for taking me into again supporting Tim Ferris, talking about what what is your dream like mm-hmm. ideal day all these kind of exercises yeah. and then since working on palm and pine for sure the messy middle by Scott Belsky mm-hmm. it's it's quite something because he talks about the luxury of the you know the shiny sparkly start at the beginning mm-hmm. it's when everyone's at their most energetic there's the most money to spend mm-hmm. it's it's still in that kind of exciting idea becoming real kind of phase mm-hmm. and then once the money starts to run out once the energy starts to dip once the kind of response maybe wasn't what you thought in certain ways etc etc that's when the real
0: work mm-hmm. begins
1: and he talks about that and yeah mm. he does it very well <laughs>
0: Do you see yourself sharing your knowledge in some form? Maybe it's a book or a course or something like that, because you've, I mean, you've been through the entire process and do you see yourself doing that in any way and helping other entrepreneurs?
1: I'd be interested to know if anyone listening would be interested in that actually, because yeah, Mm -hmm. we've spoken about Mm -hmm. um, over coffee. Once you kind of scribed my outline of the course that I can Mm -hmm. maybe do, you know, I have definitely thought about it for sure um, through an online course that people could take Mm -hmm. um, going through the process. And I probably would focus a lot on the kind of establishing, you know, mindset prior to that, because Mm -hmm. that's definitely the biggest challenge that you're Mm going to face is yeah are you fit for it <laughs> right it's not for the faint <laughs>
0: <garden>. <laughs> no that's the thing yeah and uh, yes the you, my mom would always say you know business is not emotional keep the emotions out of business mm. I don't know how you do that when it's your own business and or in in general we're emotional beings that have feelings and you know this is all very uh, you're putting yourself out there mm. it's an extension of you yeah right this brand so what do you feel about that now
1: I think I agree with your mom in the sense that when it comes to the business, it's transactional. And if Mm -hmm. you keep a transactional mindset, it it keeps you in um, a rational, calm, negotiating, kind of Mm -hmm. sterile kind of transactional mindset. And so when I'm in the business of doing the business, that's it. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: then you know, getting myself up in the morning, in the middle of the night, that's when the emotions come in. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, yeah, so I think there's two sides to it. I think doing the business, For me very much keep the emotions out of it and i Mm -hmm. really appreciate when i can work with people who are able to kind of do that we focus on the job in hand um but there's there always has to be room for emotion as well there always has to be room for being human you know Mm -hmm. when you are creating something from yourself i think previous projects i'm doing this at the right time Mm. i'm doing this at the right time because my bike project for example i would feel things a lot more so if mm-hmm. someone had it if i got a kind of shit email or can i swear,
0: yeah. <laughs> people ask that the title of the podcast has the word fuck in it you're good um,
1: yeah if I got like a, a shitty email or you know a crappy you know yeah mm-hmm, it yeah. would affect me I'd be like oh god you know they hate me or I'm not doing a good job but now I just I don't have any of that I don't mm. I really don't have any of that okay all, which is really important if it's your first rodeo you're gonna feel it yeah at this point it's like get the job done it's not me this yep. is not me this is not my heart and soul but mm-hmm. when the exhaustion comes into exception you know
0: <laughs> right then it feels much heavier yeah as with anything So now you've built this beautiful brand and now going on to help other people with their businesses and their planning and strategy and really making something for people that can create the impact that they're looking to make. Where are you at now in general? So with your business, things are running smoothly for the most part. You're launching new products.
1: Yeah, I think having everything automated and streamlined was like my goal from the start with business. And that, you know, mm-hmm. having the marketing background enabled me to like have all of my, you know, a lot of it streamlined, I like automated, sorry. Mm-hmm. And so now that we've launched, um, I kind of had a moment of feeling like I had more capacity, you mm-hmm. know. And then we started talking and realized that we're kind of like the opposite skill set. Mm-hmm. You are incredible at business development, networking, speaking, and obviously all of the film production, direction, all of those skills. And then I come in with the kind of like the spreadsheets (laughs) and the processes and the planning strategy so it's like really complementary and I think um even though there's there's a lot happening with palm and pine um Mm -hmm. I do have the luxury of more time now there will be moments of kind of where it's more intense but um and it's 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 going to be an ever-evolving thing you know Mm -hmm. so I can't it doesn't feel right for it to be my sole focus and furthermore any revenue that the company Mm -hmm. makes goes back into the company right and our um forthcoming charity partner who will be next So
0: exciting um
1: and so yes I don't want to take anything from it so I had to actually start thinking about it from a personal you know income Mm -hmm. perspective as well so
0: right yeah I'm so excited! I'm so excited! It's been the best. Let's make some magic, <laughs> I know exactly. So, well, thank you so much for sharing your story in such detail. I actually learned some new things about you, mm. and and I think the listeners will love it too because it, just because you're heading in one direction does not mean you can't go on and create something incredible. You just got to have the mindset and the burning desire, right? Yeah, it's that's the key. So, I will link your website so people can buy your product. And where can people find you online, like your personal Instagram, for example?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can follow me. It's very much my personal life, but if you want mm-hmm. to stay inside, it's sarah.muir.kemp, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, feel free to, we'd love to welcome you to Palm and Pine. So at Palm Pine Skincare, um, and then palmpine.com, skincare.com. Yeah.
0: Awesome, and it's, a, it's an amazing product. I can attest to it. 100% natural, no plastic, I'm definitely a stickler for natural products. And yeah. so I was... fragrance
1: free as well, that was a big one because, you know, right. you want to wear it, be able to protect your skin every day, but not smell like you're going to the beach. That was kind of the big mm-hmm. thing for us. So
0: I'm actually wearing it right now. The The zinc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's mainly for surfing, I would say, in the water. But yeah, it's a really nice product, It's a really so. nice
1: makeup base as well. Yeah, exactly. I have exactly. to say I'm wearing it too.
0: <laughs> Are you? See, it's November and we're wearing it. So yeah, exactly. Year-round. Yeah. Yes. Where's it, where it every, every day.
1: day, wherever you play.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the tagline right there. So thank, <laughs> thank you so much again for for being on the podcast. And
1: thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Brought to you by scene Productions. If you liked what you heard go ahead and smash that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast so you will be the first to know when an episode is live in the first and last week of the month and also for visibility a review makes a huge difference especially a five-star review so thank you in advance if you are inclined to, to do so and if you're a small business owner who is ready to elevate your online presence Get in touch with me, willow at bsceneproductions.com. And scene is spelled S C E N E. Let's make some magic together. Thank you again for being here. I'll see you in the next episode. Until then, keep carving your own fucking path.